Hi there, I'm Cameron. And I'm Danny. Welcome to Mages of Murder Dads, episode 22. And this is still the only show that's dedicated to the Baldur's Gate series. We still have not checked to see if that is true. Truth. It is. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter, here at the top. You can like us on Facebook. You can hit like and subscribe on this video here on YouTube. Uh, And uh, you can always go to uh, the, the Reddit for uh, this little video here and then uh, go down in the comments to talk back to us about things you think are good about the show you can also talk about bad stuff but when we that's not my favorite part of things to hear no. also uh, whenever you include any criticism please link to your uh, 11 month long podcast you're doing about Baldur's Gate so we can exchange notes maybe we can improve our, our performance based on your long standing work in the field yeah yeah, that uh, we have instituted a no criticism without uh, equal work policy. Mm-hmm. For sure. If you also like the show a whole, a whole, whole lot, uh, you can support it financially on Patreon to, uh, you know, support all this labor that we do. And that's fun. Yeah. The theme song for season three is by John Fio, a.k.a. Audio Sprite. You can go down and uh, click on the little link in the description of this video. If you want to look at more of his stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Danny, in this episode of Mages and Murder Dads, a Baldur's Gate show, what are, we, what, are we, what are we talking about? What are we all about today? Well, last, uh, last episode, mm-hmm. episode 21, at the end of the episode, we decided that we were going to do the Temple District next. I'm going to get a little religious here. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, to be honest... Because we decided that, I just decided to go to the Temple District. I kind of forgot what the Temple District's deal was, and I just kind of explored, explored around, saw what was up. So that's what we're doing. So what's up? Some really, like a, a lot of stuff. But before we get into the big content, I just want to I just want to say something. And I want to say that after playing the content for this episode, I just want to say I love Baldur's Gate. Really, I, I love this game to death. Yeah, <laughs> this this game is so good, um, and I think I even I probably texted you twice just mm-hmm. to say I, I I'm really enjoying uh, the content and the uh, some of the Gygaxian uh, touches. Is is it just me, or did did this chapter make you inspire like a love in your heart? Um, it, I, I, yeah, I, I remember this very strongly. I think that the Temple District might have the strongest narrative mm-hmm. of any of the districts in the city, for sure, here in Baldur's mm-hmm. Gate 2. And it might be one of the stronger storylines, period. I mean, I can think about Trade Meet, like, in my head. I can remember what happens in Trade Meet, which we'll get to at some point. I can remember mm-hmm. what happens in Umar Hills. The planar sphere in the slums, which we didn't quite get to yet because it's kind of a bigger uh, quest. Um, I can remember all of those, but I think when I was playing this section of the game, I could remember exactly what the map looked like and like where I needed to go and the enemies I needed to kill and things like that. So, Dang, yeah, memorable. Yeah, yeah very, very strong, strongly designed, strongly written uh, content. But yeah, well, let's get to it. You walk into the Temple District... And 
the first kind of you got to pass two temples and you can go in there and there's not much going on and you eventually cross paths cross paths with a a proselytizer and this there's this person named gall and this person is a blind person i believe it said so and gall is kind of basically saying hey all your gods look at look at all the famine look at all the war look at all this trouble that's happening here in Faerun. your gods aren't really delivering the goods you know who who's really delivering the goods who's really got an eye on you the unseeing eye the unseeing eye doesn't see anything so the unseeing eye you know has a legitimate excuse for all this shit that's happening Oh, do you think gods. that that's you think that's the, expl- <laughs> the explanatory uh, potential of the unseen eye that it's blameless in not seeing anything? I mean, I think that's that's my that's Balthazar's own personal like twist on things, mm-hmm. right? But I think that's like a legitimate argument that can be forwarded, right? Like, look, if you're going to worship a god, at least worship a god that has a valid excuse for not <laughs> intervening. So, Gaul, this character Gaul, who's this proselytizer. The case he lays out for this crowd of people, and it is a crowd of people. This is not Siege or Dragonspear amounts of people, but this is like six or seven people who are all kind of bounce back and forth talking in this little mm-hmm. segment. Different and, socioeconomic classes here, too. Mm-hmm. There's like a little, there's an aristocrat, there's a couple peasants. Um, but mm-hmm. the case that he lays out here is almost nonsensical if you keep in mind like what we know about the Forgotten Realms so far. He says, You're gods. He says they're false, and that the spells they give people, that they give their, or that they grant their adherence in the world. So, right, we know that within the cosmology of Dungeons and Dragons, each priest, or, you know, whatever, whatever uh, word we call it, cleric, uh, mm-hmm. all of them get their power from divinely granted sources, right? So you are sharing, when you're a priest of Helm, you are sharing in the power of Helm. It, he, you know, Helm is working through you. Sure. And so Gaul says, they get their they get their spells, but also wizards get their spells. They're just like wizards. Hmm. 20 years ago, the gods showed up in Faerun and then just wrecked shit across the world mm-hmm. for months. We read books about it. Some of them died. Some of them killed other gods. Yeah. Crazy stuff. Real shit. In fact, the entire existence of the ball spawn, the main character of this game, is due to an actual real god showing up and then procreating across the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, so the like... As if people wouldn't remember. Like, Helm was walking around. Well, not Helm, actually, but, like, Lathander was walking around mm-hmm. doing his thing. And so to, to call that those false gods is a, is a mighty bold claim. I feel like, narratively, this game's kind of putting us in a... The only way this conversation makes sense is in a world in which the gods are far more indirect, mm-hmm. right? like kind of a Greek or like feudal Europe or, you know, other fantasy realms where there's a little bit of plausible deniability about whether the gods actually exist. Faerun is not that location. There's no plausible deniability. (laughs) I like that you just said that medieval Europe and Greece are both fictional universes. No, I'm no. So I was saying medieval Europe, Greece, and other like actual fictional, like fictional stuff. Yeah, so... 
in in those in those situations, maybe you have plausible deniability. But I think you can be a misotheist in the Forgotten Realms. Like you can detest the gods, but I mean, to be an atheist, that's that's some strong claims. You've got you've got like evidence to overcome as to like the stuff that happened uh, in the time of troubles, right? Yeah, I feel pretty confident that like that people that straight up atheists in the Forgotten Realms, people show up to their door like actual gods. <laughs> yeah to do bad stuff to them right because why wouldn't sure. you like you know that like Bashaba isn't going to take that shit no no so yeah so in, in any case a little bit a little bit strange there's a another character there dawn master creel mm-hmm. um, who's a worshiper of lathander and he's trying to like tell the crowd hey don't listen to this gall this is bad stuff trust me um, but there are several people in the crowd that are swayed. Mm-hmm. They're like, it's pure ideology in the Forgotten Realms. Like, <laughs> people are all like, hey, I've been getting a raw deal. The, despite the fact that I know the gods are real and they've walked among us, I'm just not so sure. Sure. But isn't that, a, isn't that an argument for the unseeing eye? The mm-hmm. gods walked among us and there's still famine. The gods walked among us and there's still discord. Mm-hmm. Like... Don't you want to worship a god that has not walked among us, a god that has not seen what it looks like here? I uh-huh. I, I feel like you're proselytizing to me right now. <laughs> I feel I feel like you might have enjoyed this section of the game so much because it's changed your whole outlook. It might it may, maybe it has uh I believe in the old gods, pure hatred. Um <laughs> But no, the uh, Balthazar was very much bemused by this because Balthazar just does not have a dog in this fight, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I do know that after this uh, incident, um, someone tells you, "Hey, you need to you need to go talk to," and I believe it's Helm, right? You go to the mm-hmm. Temple of Helm, yeah. Which Helm, as if you've tuned into the lore episode, is a very like the the god of of security guards. Basically, yeah, the lapdog of gods, <laughs> the lapdog of gods, um, the the Paul Blart mall cop of gods. Absolutely, he killed Maestra, the original yeah. Maestra, like a real tool. Just struck the, her right down. The only god not to walk uh, Faerun during the time of troubles. I think he might have stepped down onto the ground. Like before he, might he have jumped like, back on the stairwell and zipped up to his luxury condo, <laughs> but he wasn't tossed down. He was no. like that was of his own volition. If that happened, mm-hmm. yeah, he made a choice. Yeah, um, and High Watcher Oisig, mm-hmm. Oisig. Not a single person who made this game ever said a single name out loud. Sure, uh, tells us basically tasks us with figuring out what this. Uh, cult of the unseeing eye is about it kind of gives you a hint that uh you should probably go down to the uh to the sewers and uh and meet a meet a paladin by the name of keldorn down there who's who's doing some work basically yep yeah it's kind of a very thinly veiled go recruit this guy kind of moment which to be fair is maybe uh I, I appreciate the slight hiccup in the road to recruiting this guy as opposed to like meeting him in the copper coronet or whatever. Like, sure. Exactly. I like no, I think of... they just decided, look, there's too many people in the copper coronet. Let's uh let's put Keldorn like in a sewer. But so this is where Balthazar may have done something you did not do. Um 
So when we said do the temple district, I just I did the temple district, right? Mm-hmm. Like I went in a lot of buildings, and one building I went into was called a guarded compound. Did you go into that building? No. So I I remember I remember the the trauma that is the guarded compound <laughs> from the last time I played this game, um, years and years ago, and. So I did not do it. I did see it isn't marked on the map though. Like there's a little node that says guarded, guarded compound. Guarded yeah. compound. Yeah, but that was not in my like High Watcher Oisig did not say, "Hey, uh stop by the guarded compound on your way to destroying this cult that's recruiting people off the streets." So I didn't do that. If that makes and you sense. know what? There is no one in this game that will ever give you a quest that says go to the guarded compound. The guarded compound exists in a purely Gygaxian way in this game. In this game, if you talk to enough barkeeps, if you talk to enough peasants, you hear that it's not just the uh, the copper coronet. There is a slaver like ring in you know Athkatla mm-hmm. and Am um, here that's being run out of this city, and. There are a few pieces of dialogue throughout the game that we have not even run into that kind of imply that something's happening in the Temple District. I have not encountered any of that. That This is kind of meta-knowledge. Mm-hmm. But if you can just walk into the guarded compound, and if you do, there's a mage and, uh, and a woman there who looks a little thiefy. And they're talking, and from their conversation, you can very easily tell they do not belong here. They do not own this opulent mansion. Mm-hmm. And... They basically say, "Oh, who are you?" And they say, "You'd better get out of here." And you can res- and you can respond a few different ways. And I was, and one of the options was, "Hey, I'm up for a challenge," which seems pretty right up Balthazar's, uh, you know, alley. Mm-hmm. And uh, the wizard gates out, and I go berserk and I like run over to where the gate is because I think maybe maybe the wizard just teleported a short distance away. Mm-hmm. And immediately a portal from hell opens up. <laughs> And a glob <laughs> and a let me make sure I'm pronouncing uh-huh. this right. This this demon's name, a glabrezu. Mm-hmm. A okay. glabrezu pops out of that portal and summons. And there's a genie, an ettercap, a few ogre berserkers. What? Yeah, they just pop out, and the glabrezu starts killing the other monsters. And like, because the genie and the glabrezu are probably like antithetically located on the alignment chart mm-hmm. so they immediately start hacking at each other and i run up to the second floor because i'm like well screw this this mm-hmm. is horrible now for for just a just a moment here in the story um a glabrezu is a, a giant demon from the nine hells that has wings i believe and mm-hmm. then four arms each of which ends in a giant pincer that snips people in two like a big old lobster pincer. Like a big, but but the Glabrezu is covered in hair and has horns too, I think. I'm just trying to paint a picture of, of what occurred here. It's a it's a night I mean, you'll see the footage. It's a nightmare situation here. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so you're I on go the second up, floor. I go up to the second floor and if you go left instead of right, a big glob of green gack falls from the ceiling like you're on the kids choice awards Mm -hmm. but instead of like people enjoying it you just get held and you get killed by a group of five people and if you know wait (laughs) hold on yeah i seem to remember that also happening at the teen choice awards (laughs) (laughs) like rosie o'donnell was murdered in 1998 it's true it's Mm -hmm. true look look it up don't look it up we just told you you don't need to don't look it up so i'm 
attacked by about five or six uh, characters. Um, there's Sion, there's Keta, That Those were the two people I met earlier, Sion mm-hmm. being the wizard. There's also a straight-up ninja-slash-samurai fellow with two katanas who chases after you. There's a minotaur <laughs> fighter. And it's just like a, a like a non-human adventuring party. It is a non-human adventure. Like it, it, it's one of those, and I think you said you really enjoyed this every time you like meet kind of like a dark version of the player party, mm-hmm. or you have like some varied classes. So the first thing I do is like I think on my first life I'm not gonna survive this, so I just run to the other side of the room, and the only person that's able to like follow me is this uh, is this kind of ninja fellow, right? Mm-hmm. And his, his the ninja's fellow's name is Koshi. And I, like, go toe-to-toe with Koshi, and it is a very, like, tight fight. But I beat Koshi, and I can quick save, which means I'm out of combat. Koshi drops Celestial Fury plus three. I don't... Explain what that is. Celestial Fury plus three is arguably the best weapon in Baldur's Gate 2 before Throne of Ball. It is a katana. It is one d. It is one d ten plus three damage. Every time it hits an opponent, they have to save versus spell or be stunned That's for like brutal. two rounds. That's brutal. That's There's bad. a five percent chance on every hit that it'll deal an additional twenty points of electrical damage. So it's just <laughs> another chance of a critical hit, just for funsies. The wielder of the blade can use blindness and lightning strike once per day, just almost as, like, spell-type abilities. Mm-hmm. And basically the, the lore of the sword is that it was, uh, you know, a long time ago there was, a, there was an angel who fell in love with a mortal, and that mortal uh, was killed in battle, and the angel got so mad that the angel went down and started murking everybody. And this kind of angel's patron goddess came down... And said, "Hey, you gotta, you gotta settle down." And the angel was like, "I don't want to settle down. I want to kill everybody in the world." So the uh, the goddess, knowing that she can't let this angel do this, binds her soul into the the blade of of the kind of fallen warrior, so that she can a meet her desire to like continue to murk people, but that so that it would be a little bit more controlled and that the world wouldn't get wouldn't get annihilated Mm -hmm. so rad sword so ultimately that angel did settle down (laughs) inside the uh the confines of a katana of a plus three katana yes so needless to say balthazar's first uh priority after getting this was uh was specializing in katanas so um so super fun, and I was able to like very slowly kill the other members of of that adventuring party, but no payoff other really than like some loot, which Celestial Fury was kind of the extent of that for Balthazar. I mean, to be fair, if that is a real good sword, that seems totally okay. worth it. Seems oh like no, totally trade-off. worth it. Like if I, I think I don't think I could have planned it better because if I were to like if I were like power gaming to the point where I was like, okay, well, what what weapon am I going to rush once the game begins? It would be that one, right? Mm. So yeah. when you left, you just run mm-hmm. back by that demon again? 100%. Just I ran by, back by the demon, and I had to, like, run around Benny Hill style of, like, a, a, a floor piece or, like, a couch mm-hmm. to, like, get some distance. Um, I, I picked up a dagger in the last chapter that, like, lets me use haste once a day. Um, 
I can like cast uh, a haste that only lasts two rounds once a day. So I use that to like get the distance and then. Just, mm. So there's still uh, Glabrezu like rolling around in the guarded compound. I mean, it's probably fine. Sure, it's it's okay. Yeah, I mean, definitely not going to break out of there. But um, I think we're about we we have to head to your favorite adventuring location in any role-playing game or in any game period a troll compound no sewers sewers it's like goddamn sewers <laughs> sewers should be banished marsh level should be banished everything i don't like about games should be banished yeah th- to be fair i think the, the last time we mentioned <laughs> we mentioned this we got some really great comments about sewers sewers are absolutely the worst they're the the worst thing like, mm-hmm. I defy someone to explain to me something worse in this game than the sewers. Mm-hmm. But this this sewer isn't so bad. It's not the worst one. Sure. There, there's just kind of a few encounters down here. There's a Rakshasa. Yeah. One of those. So it's yeah. just like, a, they're like big cat people. We've talked about them a million times before. They live mm-hmm. in the elemental plane of air, I think. Mm-hmm. Sure. They hang out with genies. It's mm-hmm. a common thing. We're going to see a couple more Rakshashas, Rakasha, whatever they're called. Someone, I don't think we need a Rakasha count. That's going to be a pretty high number if we yeah, do that. It's going to be pretty high. Yeah, I guess technically we're at genie count of what? Oh, man. Yeah, because the, uh, the the genie count from before, when, when it was fighting the Glabrezu, mm-hmm. yeah, that's going to be four, right? Mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. You, I, you told me you were going to keep count. Okay. I'll, I'm keeping count. <laughs> Doesn't sound like it. Doesn't sound like you're keeping me out. I'm keeping count. That was four. We had initial genie. We had genie from the quest. Then we had genie in the genie in the uh, tent. Genie in the tent in the promenade. Mm-hmm. So those were three, and then four. Okay, four genies. Mm-hmm. That video, that graphic is in here currently okay so yeah so the rakasha is like hanging out with uh, a bunch of kobolds and just like kobolds do they fired some arrows they tried to stab me up they shot some fire arrows at me kobold commanders are the number one source of fire arrows in the world sure like it's an ecological uh uh reality and necessity mm-hmm. they're a dwindling resource <laughs> um so yeah so they're there um but but there's also another adventuring party yeah, you uh, you really like this one, huh? Well, so I've gotten to the point in this game where area of effect spells have become very useful for me. Okay. We're getting to the point where Ticklevar is able to annihilate a huge number of enemies, kind of solo, in the mm. sense that he can... As long as the rest of the party stands between him and other people, he can really get going. So yeah, there's this uh, this party. There's like a there's like a wizard. There's a thief. There's a cleric, and there's a, a warrior or a fighter. A fighter. Yeah, a little a dwarf fighter, I believe. Named Tarnor, mm-hmm. ha- the Hatchetman. The Hatchetman. And uh, so yeah, they sh- they're standing there and they're like, hey, you got to pay me a thousand gold to walk by. And you have to remember, right now in the game, we are currently hoarding our gold so we can save our uh, adopted sister, Imowen. Mm-hmm. Once again, I want to make it clear that 
I have zero emotional attachment to this character <laughs> canonically within the game, right? Like within the fiction of Chicklevar, purposefully zero connection with this character, and yet here we are. So I I feel I feel bad. I don't want to spend that money. What I'm saying is I don't want to spend that money. Sure. To to highway robbers, to sewerway robbers. And I mean, think about how lucrative that's gotta be. It's gotta be zero percent lucrative down here. Yeah, no, they, they've got to go high when they do encounter somebody because they've been waiting down here months, waiting for people to trudge through the sewers. So they, uh, so they say, pay a thousand gold. I say, go directly to hell. <laughs> and they just straight up attack me. There's no negotiation in the conversation. They come after me. They kill me immediately, mm-hmm. the first time. So I say, all right, that's fine. I load my game. They are right outside my field of vision. I cast Cloud Kill into where they would be, and I run ar- run around the corner. Mm-hmm. And then, like, kind of doesn't work. They still get to me. Uh, what happens is Tarnor actually just focus fires Ticklevar to death. It's kind of oh. brutal. And so, uh, so anyway, I, it takes a couple more times. But this is a like a this is the most tactical I've had to be in a fight so far throughout both of the previous games and up until now. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is like setting the tenor for the rest of the game, like difficult encounters for the game. Because I'm having to do a lot of like casting doom in combat and casting bless in combat and dispelling things and breaching things and casting area of effect spells and casting skull trap and changing the weapons that I'm using in order to uh, counter very specific stuff. Like I've done all of those things so far. But it is almost like turn by turn specific at this point to make sure mm. that I can get through an encounter. Yeah, Balthazar. This was a tough encounter for Balthazar also because I can't back down and just not do the fight. And generally, what it ends up being because their potions of speed are still a rare thing. I have to berserk, holy strength, use the dagger to get two rounds of haste. Pop in, try to kill, like, just focus one guy down, run away, like, actually get out of there, which I can outrun people because I'm a barbarian. I just, like, go faster Mm -hmm. until combat breaks, rest up, repeat. Mm. Because I can take any one person. Like, that's just Balthazar's thing. Like, one-on-one, like, he will be victorious. So it's a question of just, like, one by one, just a slow attrition. Think yeah. about the from from a kind of narrative perspective, like a screaming fast barbarian runs just up this to your green half orc rolls at you like supernaturally fast. Everybody's attacking him. He attacks one person. He kills them. He runs away. You're trying to chase him, but he's just too fast. He's just his 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 barbarian legs carry him too quickly. He disappears for two days. Then he comes back, and it happens two days later. And it just keeps happening. There's nothing he can do. (laughs) Your, like, repertoire of spells slowly dwindles down. Your your contingency has, like, already been triggered, so it doesn't trigger the next day. Yeah. Oh, dang. It's brutal. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, so, so yeah, I I, I enjoyed the... I think it's a good fight. I enjoyed the fight. Um, Mm -hmm. It's also funny that like Balthazar has a hard time with uh, like a little group of adventurers in the uh, in the sewers, but you single handedly killed a dragon like <laughs> like a year ago. Like yeah, you, like you know, a, yeah, not even that long ago. Sure, yeah. Um, but yeah, so so there's that. There's also um, 
so th- this is actually, I guess, a question for you. Mm-hmm. Does Roger the Fence have potions of speed? Uh, I looked at Roger the Fence. I don't think he had potions of speed. I've bought every potion of speed I've seen. Mm. I think I'm, yeah. So Roger the Fence is a, like a thief. Well, I guess he's a fence, actually. Mm-hmm. It's right in the name. True. He lives in the sewers, kind of the south side of the sewers, and he just sells potions, or at least in, in my game, he only sells potions, mm-hmm. which me- means he is functionally useless. I'm, potions no, are good. Well, I have potions flying out my butt at this point. Sure. Like, I, I have a million of them. I, I tried to, to save them for, like, big encounters, right? Do you have a, do you have a potion satchel? I don't. I, I haven't figured out where to get one in Baldur's Gate 2 yet. Do you, know, do you know where you got to go? No, I don't. If I knew where I w- had to go, I would go get one. Well, I'll tell you, buddy. Okay. Because Balthazar had to get one. Yeah. He's yeah. got one inventory, right? Mm-hmm. So I had to, like, search to find this out. There's only one in the game that you can get to right now. And you have to go to Watcher's Keep, start the quest, and the merchant at the very beginning of the of the dungeon will sell it. Dang. So I went to Watcher's Keep, said, yeah, I'll do this. Like, bought a, bought a potion satchel and said, see ya, see ya in a few years, suckers. And then just <laughs> walked back to Athkatla. So here's a question for you. Do you think that anyone ever found uh, Balthazar's barrel in Baragost? Oh, that's that's interesting. With all of that like loot that Balthazar didn't want to sell, mm-hmm. the storage barrel, <laughs> the storage barrel. Now it's in the promenade. Oh, there's a and it's there's not a, a barrel, barrel. It is literally a merchant's table. You don't think the merchant needs that? The you merchant. Don't... It was empty. It was empty, and it just holds as much as. I, and randomly, and I'll go ahead and say this: I don't remember where in the story this happened, but at some point when I'm traveling. In between two places, I there's like a little random event, and there's a there's a man who desperately needs aid. Like he's he's been mugged and he's poisoned, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And he says, "Hey, you got to take me to the." I think he's like, "You got to take me to the docks district and heal me." And I said, "Okay," but I'm not ready to go to the docks, so he's on that table too. <laughs> <laughs> he's just waiting for. He's gonna be waiting he's for just months wait. and months. <laughs> yeah, until until we're ready to go to the docks, I'm not letting this guy decide my play schedule. Hmm. Well, dang, <laughs> dang. But anyway, so so Roger has a has a, like a real short problem. He needs to kill a sea troll for him. And I remembered this uh, little area of the game so well that I mm-hmm. killed the sea troll first. Whoa! I I speed ran. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, I don't think I grabbed the sea troll. You got to do that. He he gives you some money. He gives you like two hundred and fifty gold. Oh, that's good. Yeah, he might have more items too, depending. Oh, fun. Um, also, Keldorn is down here. He's like a paladin or something. I told him to go away. Same. Yeah. Yep. yep. I, I've got my party for right now. People were very unhappy. People across all commenting platforms for, for this show were uh, unhappy that I said I might get rid of Aerie. Yeah, because uh, I guess Aerie's OP. She's apparently very OP. Mm-hmm. There, I've had a weird moment happen. This has kind of changed my. That didn't change change my perspective. Like I knew she was OP, but uh, you don't care. Hey, I don't care about that part. Like you know, you can beat the game with anything. Um, but what is interesting is that her and Jahira have a whole lot of conversations that are like mm-hmm. this weird mother daughter relationship, almost like a very negative and mean mother, and like a, a kind of wide eyed and bushy tailed daughter. It's very strange, and I'm very curious about where that's going. Yeah, that's interesting, and also, given that you have a male character, um, I'm also interested to see the kind of inner, like, exchanges that happen between 
Jahira, Vaconia, and Aerie, mm-hmm. given that I think that they are like the three main romantic plots that can happen with that kind of configuration. Yeah, right? which is super weird because I think you can romance Jahira, but in context, because she is like your adopted father's friend, presumably sure. significantly older than you in that case, and watched you grow up to some extent. And recently grieving a recent loss of her husband. Yeah. So there's some there's some interesting valences to that. Sure. That are uh, 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 perhaps unaddressed by, by this game. <laughs> um, but anyway, so yeah, so we so we zip through here to get to the place we really wanted to go. Yeah. Your favorite part of the game. I love this stuff. The cult zone. Cult zone. That's what it's called. That's what it is. So yeah, you know, it's called the old tunnels. And uh, so basically you go down here and it's kind of this undercity type place. um, And you got to go through a few little fights to get to the cult area. And basically when you get here, you like have the opportunity to infiltrate the cult. You can like pretend you want to go along with it. Um, I guess theoretically you could just kill everybody. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, Balthazar did not do that yeah, because Balthazar, like, I'm still investigating. Like, Balthazar is still like these people might just be a religion. Like, who am I to judge, right? Mm. Um, at this point, sure. And Hard to uh, know. and you can also just do neither of those and just walk in. They just let you walk in with no commitment either way, right? Very open faith. Yeah. And when you roll in, you see. Somebody undergoing the main ritual of the of the Temple of the Unseeing Eye, which is be having their eyes plucked out, and it was a totally voluntary process. This person was definitely like willing, mm-hmm. and this person died, and so he this person was deemed weak and was thrown into a pit. Was what thrown is- into the the pit of what's it called? Uh, the pit of the faithless. Yeah, the faithless, which is it's which is weird, honestly, because having your eyes plucked or poked out just depending mm-hmm. uh, that doesn't kill you like it's bad you don't want to have that happen but there's that you don't really bleed to death from that you don't you know what i mean like that's not a, a thing that kills you so i guess it depends on how they're doing it right because if they're <laughs> stabbing you in the eyes with a dagger and like the the you know the person with the implement if they if they get that wrong they could totally kill you right? oh that's true yeah yeah, so I think it's one of those, and that's very much like that is on the practitioner, not the, <laughs> not the patient, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> like I don't, sure. I think it's a little harsh to judge the patient faithless if they die because that's the implication is oh, if you don't survive the procedure, you, your faith wasn't strong enough. No, that's the that's the doctor there, that's mm-hmm. the practitioner. That's on you. You're gonna be a lawsuit. That's why they throw you in the hole. Yeah, they don't want a lawsuit. So you uh, you basically, in talking to the leader or the kind of the the, the high priest of of what or what of what have you, um, Cesar Sasser? No, so he's the other, the former high priest. I don't know what the high priest of the actual one is called. Oh yeah, we may have forgotten that name, but there's an yeah. actual high priest who tasks you with. He basically says, "Hey, would you mind doing us a favor?" We need to, like, get this artifact. Yep. And th- he gives you a key. And when you get that key, you you roll over to the other side of the, of kind of the old tunnels. And you go into this very strange room, um, which I didn't really understand kind of the, the whole layout of the room. But there you meet Sassar. 
mm-hmm. who's the the former high priest who has like rejected the religion of the unseeing eye. Yeah, and so when you're part of the religion of the unseeing eye, I think this is cool. They poke your eyes out, but you can still see. Mm. That's the implication because uh, Sassar says, "I we no longer have like the magical effects of the god of the cult of the unseen eye." Mm. So basically, the faith, the god, picks up the slack, mm-hmm. gives you divine vision of of some sort, mm-hmm. uh, like uh, give a penny, take a penny. Sure. Yeah, but, same, same but idea. you you can't you poke your eyes out and then you reject the unseeing eye. You got nothing. Yeah, if you only give a penny and you never take a penny, or if they take the penny away from you, I think that's, the tray the tray's think, empty. Yeah, I think they've been robbed. That's what that sounds like. That sounds like if if it's only ever give a penny, I think that's a robbery. Sure, I think there might be a little bit more personal responsibility here, but you know, I don't know. Yeah, um, but anyway, yeah. So Sassor says, uh, "Hey." Unseen eye is bad. Like, they're poking people's eyes out. Yeah. Doing bad stuff to them. So mm-hmm. he says, yeah, getting an artifact from the lower, lower city, the under, under city, mm-hmm. uh, would be super sweet, but it's a magical item that the god of the unseen eye wants to mm-hmm. go up to the overworld and mess up the city all bad. Sure. So he says, you need to go down there and get it. Come back up, steal the god of the unseen eyes ver- copy or half of the artifact, mm-hmm. and then zap him with it. Yeah. So two two options: you can get that piece, give it to the un like the religion, the unseeing eye, so that they do bad stuff, or you get that piece and then use it to kill the unseeing eye itself to like kill a deity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it leads us down to. The 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 a, a level deeper. We're going even deeper now. Mm-hmm. And we're we're so deep now. And Killian Murphy is down there. Yeah. And it's weird down. There's like there's weird stuff. There's it, like sometimes groups of kobolds. There's spiders that respawn. It looks like this is this is just to be fair to the developers of the game. It looks like this is leftover assets from Planescape Torment. Yeah, yeah. Like, they don't look like they belong in this project. Sure, but it's weird, and I, I mean, it's I very like weird. It. Yeah. Um, and we go down here, and it's kind of, it's pretty linear. It's just kind of an S shape, and there's a puzzle bridge. Yeah, there's a bridge that's like a little, like a um, what are those things called? Like a little garden, not pagoda, but. Sure, something along those lines. Gazebo, but it's split here we in, go. Yeah, a gazebo, and it's split in twain mm-hmm. from like a fault line. So there's a there's kind of like an, an earthquake or something happened, and you, you can't get to the other side. And what exactly do you click on to initiate this? Because I didn't see it. It was like it was obscured. Yeah, I think what is there. I think that you are clicking on the fault line, but because the ceiling of the the um, thing is in the way, it just mm-hmm. looks like you're clicking on the ceiling. Sure. But I think technically you're clicking on the fault line. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But you click on it, and then it starts asking you a goddamn riddle. Yeah. This game loves riddles. Mm-hmm. I and don't even know if it's a riddle. I think it feels like trivia, right? Yeah, I'm. it's very unclear. And I'm not going to go... I'm not going to pull up the video to find it out. But it's basically... Neither some, am I. Some arbitrary... Uh, so it's like... 
what is blankety blank blank blank? And it gives you like 12 possible options. Yeah, and if you pick the wrong one, it spawns some enemies. So, yeah. Um, I, I mean, it took one. me a few enemy spawns before I got the right answers. So I did pretty good, I, or I felt like. Um, sadly, murder was not an option for any of these because otherwise I'd be able to zip my way right through. But um, I, I got lucky the first time. I got the, the first answer correct. Like, this is first time through. Sure. First answer correct. Second answer correct. Third answer wrong. Mm. And the third answer, getting that wrong, summoned a greater mummy Whoa. That, could, that could only be hit by, like, I, I think plus three weapons or greater? Sure. It was super weird. And so I ended <laughs> up, like, uh, having to kill it with part of my solution uh, that I developed here in this part of the level to, to get through this part of the game. And I'll explain that in just a second. Yeah, yeah. But 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 yeah, so I did that, and we eventually got through. There's a pretty cool like warhammer in a little hidden compartment over to the side. Yeah, you got to get to the other side though. And in order to get to the other side, you got to do a puzzle bridge fight, the post puzzle bridge fight. Yeah, you want to talk about? Was this the most difficult encounter for you? This is one. Of, yeah, this was one of the most annoying, just because of the Nate. This is kind of the first time we run into beholders and goths. Beholders are giant uh, fleshy orbs with eye stalks, a mm-hmm. bunch of different eye stalks. I think it, the number depends on how strong the beholder is, right? Yeah, I think it defaults to eight for, for sure. a greater beholder and then up and down from there. Um, and one large eye in the, in the middle and like a, a big old mouth with like razor knife teeth. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and each of those eye stalks shoots a different kind of bad thing at you yeah different beam or ray paralyzation and like the really bad ones like one of their eyes just like kills you or petrifies you right yeah that's for for greater beholders for the goths the one that was really hurting me was like the electrical beam yeah that and cause serious wounds mm. had one of those i bet so that, anyway uh, hurts we um Consulman and I were talking about this fight, and for him, it was two goths, and for me, I was telling him, no, it wasn't. It was one beholder and two goths, and we looked at the footage, and we were both right, and then I looked it up online, and this is a fight in Baldur's Gate 2 that will scale to your level, and mm-hmm. the the floor is one goth, and the ceiling is two beholders, three goths. Mm-hmm. So, so, so several encounters, probably. We talked last episode about potentially scaling uh, battles. And then we mm-hmm. came to the conclusion, kind of like, oh, that's probably not true. One of us is probably just misremembering. But no, no. but this is this is definitely a thing in Baldur's Gate too. So this is going to be an interesting. It'll be interesting to see how this pans out because I have a feeling that that uh, Balthazar is much higher level at the end of this uh, at the end of this chapter than than Ticklevar's party. Yeah, is. because Balthazar is going to be fighting the maximum difficulty enemies for probably eighty percent <laughs> of this game. Yeah. Um. So anyway. You get through that fight. Um, well, well, can I we'll tell talk- you my method? Can I tell you my method of getting through the fight? Okay, yeah. So I, uh, Jahira now, has the ability to summon a fire elemental. Okay. Viconia can summon skeletons. Okay. Skeletons are basically immune to everything. Yeah, we talked about it. There's a think tank trying to overcome this problem. Exactly. So... Uh, I do that, so I summon two skeletons, I summon one elemental, and then a couple, uh, like, uh, monsters summoning two enemies, you know, Hobgoblin, mm-hmm. Ogre, something like that. I cast Haste on them, 
and sometimes I cast chant on them to make them stronger, bless, something like that, you know, just to give them mm-hmm. that little extra oomph. And then I send them by themselves into groups of enemies, and I get full experience for killing things. And it seems to me that skeletons are completely immune to anything that a goth can do to them. Ooh. And the elemental does pretty good, too. I mean, it's got a lot of hit points. Sure. But no, that's right. Like, these beam effects, like paralyzation, cause serious wounds, wouldn't hurt a skeleton or an undead. No, doesn't do a damn thing. It might even heal undead. Like, thinking back to AD&D rules, like, I would not be surprised if cause serious wounds heals undead because cure wounds hurts undead, right? Mm -hmm. I think so, yeah. Yeah. So oh, anyway. that's interesting. So yeah, so th- this entire little like section of the game and the the next section of the game mostly involved me uh, sneaking up with a little character to get a little bit of vision and sending my like goon squad ahead of me to do sure. stuff for me. So because these things are impossible, they killed my entire party every <laughs> time I got even got within screen distance of them. So yeah, the issue with goths is one goth Balthazar can kill. But, like, it's just so multiplicative if there are more than one of these beholders targeting Balthazar and, like, sending these rays at him, right? So it was another situation where I had to, like, kill one at a time. And when you fight them, there's these shadow ads that come from the top. So it was a very long process of, like, a lot of resting to do Mm -hmm. this. Yeah. Um, Which hopefully these days are behind me after this chapter. But, you know. I got a lot to uh, tell you. I got some stuff to tell you about the <laughs> at least one more section in this game. Yeah. So uh, we get we cross uh, through and we get to this temple um, with these creepy people around it that that are like lost and they've been here forever and they're real sad. And they basically say they're they're saying all this cryptic stuff like oh you you can never get what you want. It sounds a little uh, a little ironicacy to be honest, like in Balthazar's mind. I thought uh, it maybe sounded a, like the Rolling Stones. Oh man, zippity zap. Oh, okay. Cacao. So you go into this temple to to retrieve the artifact because you you know it's there, mm-hmm. and there's a big old demon in it. Yeah, named the Empathetic Manifestation. And you can hurt it until it's got, like, one pip of HP, but after that, you can't hurt it. Does it hurt you? Uh, a little. Like, it's really hard for it to hit Balthazar. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, it, it takes a very long time. And after I, you know, fight it a while and go out, I, like, talk to several people to, like, get a clue about what to do. Mm-hmm. And one of them like implies maybe you should heal it, mm-hmm. or maybe I put that together. So luckily, I was good at the beginning of Baldur's Gate One, and I got cure moderate wounds, and I was able to kill it that way. I do not know what you would do if you could not cast a uh, heal spell on this thing. Yeah, so this thing like needs you to love it. That's like the whole thing here. Sure, and so you have to do that. I don't. I don't know. I think you just uh, wouldn't be able to play the game good. Sure. And like, you'd have you'd, to go and recruit a cleric and then like use it to progress. Balthazar would never do that. I know. I'd quit the game. <laughs> um, I'm sorry I've hit a wall here. Yeah. So you do that, and the avatar of Amunater... Oh, we don't know that yet, though. You've really spoiled it. Yeah, we it. do. Mm-mm. He doesn't reveal it until the second time you talk to him. Oh, that's right. Uh-huh. 
So an avatar appears. Mm-hmm. We don't know of an avatar of what. And uh, and this avatar basically gives you the object and says, and kind of you cut a deal that would allow that avatar to release all of the all of kind of the guardians around the temple mm-hmm. if you were to do this one more good thing, right? Yeah, because the guardians made a contract with this god mm-hmm. like a bajillion years ago. So mm-hmm. so long ago that they have forgotten the god's name. They've yeah. forgotten even what the contract was for. They just know there's a contract, and so they're exactly. deathless, and they're just waiting here for nothing. And in fact, their uh, kind of unhappiness has generated that empathetic manifestation. Like, that's yeah. what's keeping all of this here. In fact, if they could just remember the god and remember that their contract is void... They could leave, and so that's the bid to give you this item. So this is rad. This it, is some of the best story we've seen in any any of these games. Absolutely, I think so. Like a hundred percent, it is awesome. Like yeah. it is awesome. It is intricate. It is like interesting. All of these characters' dialogue links together with this cool story. That's a tapestry, and you feel like a little detective figuring it out. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. well, what I like in particular that, and it's not super spelled out, is that. You getting the item, like leaving with your this half of the powerful object, and then coming back with the full object at the end of the quest, right? That's mm-hmm. the, the desire here, is you doing a holy quest for that god. And the fact, that's the proof that the god is still living, right? That it can yeah. give out a holy quest. I just like that a lot. I think that's because. Really good. There is an element of Forgotten Realms that kind of follows the Gaiman American gods uh, idea mm-hmm. that a god is as powerful as the worship and attention it receives. Mm-hmm. That, like, as you receive less attention and worship, you grow weaker. And eventually, if you have no worshippers, if no one even remembers you, you become a forgotten god and your and your powers dwindle. Mm-hmm. And this is the situation with that god and that even the guardians have forgotten. So if you were to do that act, if you were to go on that holy quest, you would revitalize, even if for a moment, the faith in that that deity. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. we, go, we go do that. We, we do, do that. We go do the quest. We got, and in order to do that, you got to go through a ghoul town, which we won't talk about, which is strange. Can I say right? one thing about the ghoul town? Say something about ghoul town. <laughs> so, yeah, so you go into the, you go back to the cult, you go down into the pit of whatever, faithlessness. There's a bunch of ghouls that live down there. And then when you walk up to the ghouls, one says, oh my God, I've got to go tell the mayor. <laughs> and he runs <laughs> away. And then if you go in there, there, are, there is a ghoul lord standing beside a table, presumably mm-hmm. the ghoul mayor. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, I'm pissed off as hell that you're down here. And he's like overcome with um, with like bloodlust and he, he attacks you and you have to kill a million ghouls. It's not. It's yeah. Not and I important. guess it's I guess it's kind of sad because they do say, yeah, we've been tr- we have to live here because this is how we get our sustenance is all the corpses they throw down here. But we're trying to form a civilization. We're trying to like get our shit together. Yep. And I, and I had to kill them all. I didn't I didn't much enjoy that. Yeah, that was rough. But eventually you get to the actual pit and it is a it is a beholder layer in that it is a giant fleshy labyrinth with like undulating holes in the floor. Mm-hmm. And the map itself is shaped like a beholder. Yeah. And do you know why it's shaped like a beholder? No. Because beholders are narcissists. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's literally why. That's why two beholders of the same stature 
So mm-hmm. greater beholder, beholder. Uh, I don't, I don't think sub beholders like goths count, mm-hmm. but greater beholders, um, the way that they procreate is through, mm-hmm. uh, um, not abiogenesis, whatever the, they, they split like a cell basically. Okay. Because they become fixated on themselves, and then they generate mentally another one of them. Damn. So they they literally create each other out of nothing. Did um, you get this out of one of the monster manuals? Yeah, it's it's like this has been part of um, um, of Beholders for a long time, but it's written most explicitly in the in the newest one, Volo's Guide mm-hmm. to Monsters. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's even better is once they split that way, once they like generate two beholders, they immediately become very jealous of the other and try to kill each other. Damn. So there are very few beholders. So they're they're massively they're just huge, huge narcissists who literally shape the world into their image and in doing so create more beholders sometimes. So it's a series of beholder fights, mm-hmm. which you can imagine Kunzman's going through with this a little summoned army rolling around, I imagine, right? Yep. Um, Balthazar can't do that. Balthazar has to fight these legit, and he has to rest after every fight. And the problem there is when you rest in the Beholder Pit, there's a 75% chance, I swear to God, that a goth will appear. And the random encounter on sleep is always a goth. 100% of the time. One goth. Hmm. And... Goths, comes when I were talking, you would think that they were weak beholders because they're small. Not necessarily the case. A lot of the beholders I've fought, when you kill them, you get 9,000 experience. And when you kill a goth, you get 9,000 experience. Hmm. But that's the key, Kunzelman. When you kill a goth, you get 9,000 experience. Do you know how many much quest XP that this entire quest gives? 42,000 experience. Uh-huh. Killing five Goths is the equivalent of doing a major, like, story quest in this game right now. So how many of you killed, would you say? (sighs) Well, let's say this. I went into this dungeon at level 13. And when I left, I was level 21. What? I'm level 21. What's the level cap in this game? 30. (laughs) (laughs) How's that even possible? I well, the thing was is I was just I was looking at that katana. I was like, man, I wish I had that extra pip, right? Mm-hmm. So that I just figured, oh, pip. yeah. So I just figured, oh, I'll rest till fifteen. Then I get fifteen, and I get the and I get the other skill pip. And I'm like, man, it's nice to have the katana, but there's that there's that flail that um that 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 merchant selling in the in the copper coronet. Like it's got twenty resistance all over. I want to like get a few more levels, and I swear it's like twenty minutes is a level of just mm-hmm. like killing goths, right? Nine thousand experience, huge. Um, and uh, then you know you get eventually, eventually you get twenty one, and you, and you get your bonus resistance as a barbarian. So my physical resistances at the end of this was like forty, like all physical damage against Balthazar. I only take sixty percent of it because I resist forty percent. This is literally like some Grant Morrison style muscle magic that you're doing. It really is. Where you like <laughs> flex your way out of any scenario. Yeah. So, and I got to say, the, a lot of the difficult uh, encounters moving forward have been much significantly easier at level, at level 21. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. 
Well, good to know that eventually, though, it'll all catch up with you. Sure. Um, but yeah, so so we, we're down here. We wander around. We, we Each one of the eye stalks on the map is a different little loot room. Mm-hmm. So uh, we finally get to one the loot rooms that has the other half of this magical item. We mm-hmm. grab it. The game literally says it pops up with a tooltip that's like, you need to equip this in your quick item slot right now. 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 Right now. Because we just spawned the unseeing eye, like, down the hallway. Yes. And so you shoot the unseen, you know, you click on it, and you click on the unseen eye, and it takes it all the way down, I think, to, like, 50 hit points or something. Yeah, and it renders it hittable. If you do not use that item, it is totally ethereal, and you cannot interact with it. Oh, it's literally a god, then. Yeah. Like, it is on a plane of existence mm-hmm. better than you. <laughs> yeah. And so you do that. It, it casts, like, ultimate cloud kill, whatever the hell that spell is. It's like a white cloud. Mm-hmm. That, and so that caught my party the first couple times I tried to do it. And it's just an insta-kill. It kills them all. It, like, kills them in the shadow plane. Yeah. It's, it's bad. <laughs> That's a bad place to get killed. So we did that. And, uh, yeah, you, there's not a whole lot to that other than just shooting it it's kind of um kind of uh anticlimactic in some ways and it's also interesting because the most the most like dangerous enemy you've ever killed that appears in the character sheet it's going to be the unseeing eye for like most of the game Mm, after after a character does that because it was super strong but it wasn't it was a trivial fight Mm -hmm. and so you leave you go mm-hmm. all the way back down because you got this item now. I guess theoretically you could just hang on to it. Yeah, It'd be bad for you, but uh, you take it all the way back down to the uh, temple of the unknown god or whatever, mm-hmm. and then uh, in the proof of you bringing it back, the kind of high priest that you talked to before, who's like uh, memoryless and sad and all that stuff, he goes in there. He goes back into the temple for the first time in probably millennia. Well, no, actually we can probably date it actually because. The god reveals himself. He says, I am or I'm Amenador, um, mm-hmm. and who was a an actual god in the Forgotten Realms from a long time ago. Yeah. Who's who's long dead. Long dead, yeah. A disappeared god. He was mm-hmm. a god that was worshipped in Netheril. People know about the Forgotten Realms. Netheril was a, a civilization of giant flying cities that flew mm-hmm. over the desert of Anorak. And then mm-hmm. when their civilization fell, they tried to capture Maestra and kind of like uh, tame the goddess of magic. And mm-hmm. so she struck all their crap down and their cities fell from the sky and their god disappeared. Yeah, and all of their territory is just a desert now. Yeah, it's like a magical desert, which someone in a very early episode told me all about on, oh, fun. Uh, on the Reddit. Yeah, so I, I know all about it now. But yeah, the payoff there is so cool. I, I love the, I love it. Mm-hmm. You can also go back to the Cult of the Unseen Eye, and you can do a little fight, and then just loot everything in there. Sure. There's a whole lot of gold. L- lots of gems, lots of stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what else did you do down here in the sewers? We're kind of wrapping up the episode a little bit, but there's a there's a couple things that, that are worth talking about here at the very end. Yeah, so in the old tunnels, where you meet uh, Cesar... Yeah, and and his merry band of well, not not so merry, all all blind and miserable people. Well, they're merry now. They're merry now. They're merry post post episode. Mm-hmm. Um, they uh, th- 
so I didn't notice it the first time I went in the room. Um, I actually only noticed it when I went into a similar room next episode. Mm. Um, but when you go into that room, you 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 there's actually a sarcophagus in the middle of the room. And I guess Cesar doesn't know this, right? Probably doesn't know the significance of this room. But you can go up to that sarcophagus and like click a tooltip, and it'll say you could probably open this if you wanted to. It's a big golden sarcophagus, and when you do, at the kind of at the at the beginning of the of the pathway that leads to this sarcophagus in the middle, a a, a, a guardian lich spawns and says, "I'm not going to let you do this stuff," right? I'm not going to let you put together. And then he says, Kangax? I'm not going to let you put together Kangax. And then a Lich Guardian fights me. And that's rough because it can cast Time Stop. It's like super high level. It like it, The second you attack it, you, you hit it, it does contingency. So I tried several times to like hit it, just like kill it in one, one hit. But my maximum critical could not kill it in one hit. Mm. Once I got 20, I unlocked high-level abilities. And one of the high-level abilities is, uh, is an ability that for one round, every attack you make is an automatic critical. Dang. So like, I, can, I can control like the first round of a fight, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but contingency goes off the thing is though the lich is kind of like will spend the first round summoning a demon so if you just hit it it summons a demon and you run away before it can cast time stop eventually you get far enough away that i think the the guardian lich is kind of perma rooted for whatever reason Mm -hmm. and you can uh, you can just rest and then when you go fight it again the the contingency spell is not there so i think i figured out how you have to fight liches by running away. By running away and then coming back. It's the coming back part, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's not critical. The, it's not the fall that kills you. It's the sudden stop. Mm-hmm. It's, not the, it's not the Balthazar engagement that kills you. It's when he comes back 48 hours later. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, didn't, I did not kill this uh, thing. I tried it one time, and it was uh, real hard, and I was like, I'll just wait. So this is a yeah this is a one part of a quest we have not even been offered yet mm-hmm. and we will just kind of keep you apprised as we as we go forward but uh, there's kind of like a little a little bit here a little bit there it's kind of a mega a mega quest one of the larger quests in uh, Baldur's Gate two I would say mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. so when uh, when we or when I went back up to the uh, to the thing i turn in the quest there's not a lot of like interesting stuff for the turn in you just say hey we took care of it and the guy says great um i did meet a guy so like all kinds of of things since i've been down in that sewer probably for like two weeks of game Mm -hmm. time uh all kinds of interesting interesting things happened so one a messenger showed up to talk to airy from quail her uncle quail Hmm. um to say to come back to him really fast he has a job that we need to do that's interesting um, Minsk had a little talk. He had a little d- bit of dialogue where he said we needed to go help the boy from Umar Hills, which is which is interesting. I'd never seen that before. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Viconia told me a very very long story about what she did in between uh, Baldur's Gate, or I guess Siege of Dragonspear, mm-hmm. and this game, which is that she bought a farmstead outside of Baragost and. Uh, she had a neighbor, and that neighbor 
uh, was very nice to her, but when she revealed, she took her, she wore a heavy cloak all the time. When she re- finally revealed that she was a drow, he invited her over for dinner, and then they, like, him and his sons tortured her, knocked her out, tortured her, and then buried her alive. Whoa. And, and then she literally clawed her way out of the ground, waited for one to go to the outhouse. She locked him in the outhouse and burned him alive. And then while, while I'm, I'm just telling you the story, when one brother went to go get water to put out the outhouse, she strangled the father, the guy who betrayed her. And then when he came back, with the guy with the bucket, she knocked him down and then cleaved his head in with a hammer. And this game tells you all, like, that's all in dialogue. Wow. Yeah. Viconia also seems to have forgot that we went to hell one time together, and then she proclaimed her undying love for me. Before you, bef- just before you crossed into the abyss. Just before. So mm-hmm. uh, that, that, so this uh, reintroduction to her uh, is very weird. Also worth remembering that this probably took place, like, within six months of the sure. Siege of Dragonspear. So this is a very truncated experience that she had. Mm-hmm. Uh, very strange. Very weird. Yeah. But still powerful. Mm-hmm. Can I tell you one uh, one other very small funny thing right before we end here? Yeah. So if you come out of the central part of the sewers, there are a couple uh, entrances. But if you come sure. out, there was a little proselytizer there. Not the one mm-hmm. from the very beginning, but a different guy. And uh, as soon as I popped up, a city guard showed up and slew him in one hit. And he yes. exploded into chunks. <laughs> well, I mean, it's true. It's like it's almost like... Uh, it's almost like having your citizenship stripped away. Like, once your god's dead, you're just not a person anymore. Mm-hmm. They just rip whatever away from you. Yeah, you don't have rights anymore. Like, there's no one looking out for you. Well, because there's no one to absorb the the god of the Unseen Eyes pantheon or his portfolio. Yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? That's you, true. You, there's no one to, like, Lathander's not blinding people and giving them sight. That's not part exactly. of his deal. So. Yeah, and... <sighs> And there's just no repercussions. It's not mm. like the unseeing eye is going to get upset at you. Exactly. Yeah. It's just free reign murder. <laughs> well, what a, a, what a good episode. A jam-packed episode. Really. Really, really a lot of stuff. What, what are we doing in the next episode? I think we are going to go, so if you're following along at home, we're going to go to the Bridge District. Mm-hmm. And we might solve a mystery there. Ooh. Oh, I think I know what this mystery is. It's a mystery. It's got a little, it's a little Jack the Rippery, huh? It's a little Jack the Rippery. Yeah, this it's mm-hmm. a it's a fun little time we're going to have. Mhm. It's a good time. Mhm. All right. Well, uh that that was Mages of Murder Dads episode 22. Do all the stuff I said at the top. You can uh or you should like our page on Facebook. Uh when you see this video on Facebook, maybe maybe share it. Maybe show your friends and family that you love uh uh minutia about Baldur's Gate 2. Uh, you can like and subscribe to us here on YouTube. You can follow us both on Twitter. All of that is in the description below. If you think this is a really good show, you could support us for as little as $3 a month on Patreon, and that would be super cool, too. Totally. That's it. Okay, well, uh, we're done, and uh, you will listen to this again in two weeks. Excellent. See you then. Goodbye. Oh,